Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Hello, Simon. How are you, sir? I'm great, Baxter. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Feeling feeling good. A little bit more relieved after the uh, weekend that was in uh, U.S. soccer. Not as happy about the revolution, but still still doing okay, though. And, uh, what about you? How was your soccer mixed, weekend? Mixed emotions. Mixed emotions. I still have plenty to say about... Uh, our manager. You have a discarude full of motions. <laughs> I'd like that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I've got mixed feelings, and I know we're going to get into that, but uh, we've got a few other things to say first, as we always do. Absolutely, yes. If you enjoy listening to Two Up Front, we want to encourage you to go check out the show on Fridays on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 Eastern. You can also get it on the TuneIn app and on TuneIn.com as well. You can find it on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com. You can find us on Facebook, Two Up Front. Uh, we are also on Twitter at Two Up Front Soccer. We have our personal Twitter pages at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Make sure you check out our website, twoupfrontsoccer.wix. That's wix.com slash twoupfrontsoccer. Got to make some updates to that webpage, which will be happening soon. But you can go there. You can find interviews that we've done with our past guests. You can find entire shows on there. Uh, very soon, it seems like, uh, or looks like, that we will have merchandise available. Yeah. Within uh, another week here or so, we're hoping to have... That major announcement we keep teasing, but it looks like it, it is, it's getting closer and closer to happening. Absolutely. And speaking of interviews, we have two fantastic interviews on the program today. We will be joined uh, in our second segment by Houston Dash and Australian international defender Ellie Brush. She'll be on to chat with us about the upcoming NWSL season in our women's soccer spotlight. And later on, a Wisconsin native... And now Whitecaps FC and the USL side of Vancouver, Kyle Gregg, a striker, fantastic gentleman, will be joining uh, myself later on in the program due to the interview of how we structured it. Simon wasn't able to be there. It's irrelevant. Either way, Kyle will be here. Ellie will be here. We'll have a good time. We'll talk some soccer. And, and uh, we'll yeah, go from there. And on top of that, Kyle was also named captain of he the was. Uh, Vancouver yes, Whitecaps the two captain, team. The captain of Whitecaps FC. I asked him about Blas Perez. I asked him about Wisconsin. I asked him about all kinds of things here. 
It's going to be a fun interview. That'll be coming up in our fourth segment. But uh, we, we need to get, obviously, right to what everybody is still talking about because it's only not even 24 hours removed from how it all shook up. The United States senior men's national team taking down Guatemala in the second... Not second leg, but this the second... The return. The return, yes. yes. The return for, of it. For, for the second half of the semifinals. Yes. They beat them 4-0 in Columbus, which seems to be the best place for U.S. soccer to play any games. That's probably where they should just... Just Columbus themselves should just bid to host a World Cup, because maybe the U.S. would actually <laughs> win, I feel like, because... The U.S. are now undefeated in, oh gosh, I forget, I heard the number, now I, now the number's gone. Uh, well, it, they, they won their qualifying match against Mexico in 2001. That's, okay. when, that's I think when the run started. I think in Columbus themselves, they're 8-0-3, I think, in Columbus. So they've never lost in Columbus, but even still, on home soil for qualifying matches, they've got some ridiculous, like you mentioned, unbeaten streak as well. So the United States seems to be a good place for the U.S. national team to win, which might bode well as for the upcoming Copa America this summer, but that's we're not, we don't care about that right now. We're still talking about World Cup qualifying and then in a moment the Olympics as well. So 4-0 victory. Everybody was pushing the panic button. The fire Jürgen Klinsmann banners were back out. Simon was picketing outside Klinsmann's house, <laughs> asking for him to be fired after a 2-0 surprising loss when Carlos Ruiz found himself on the couch, called up, scored a goal, and... They, they they lost 2-0, and now they come back, and the United States looked really good. They held the possession. They took good shots. The ball moved around really well. And, then, and why? Why did that happen, Baxter? Can you tell me, Simon? I feel like I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get as loud as I usually do, because I've been told by <laughs> past people, hey, we get that you're angry, but you don't have to be so angry. Um, listen, Klinsman comes out after the Guatemala loss, and if you remember, when, when we were given our predictions, Baxter, yes. I had picked the U.S., with a caveat saying, if Klinsman plays players in in their primary positions, in mm-hmm. their preferred positions. And, of course, we see in the Guatemala match, he plays Yedlin at right mid instead of right back. He puts Jeff Cameron on the outside mm-hmm. instead of playing him as a center back. When What's interesting about that is just a few years ago, Klinsman was saying that Jeff Cameron is definitely a center back. But I, yet he doesn't play him as a center back. Yeah, I always thought he was a center back. You've got Yedlin starting in the Premier League. As a right back, mm-hmm. you got plenty of other midfielders on the team, right? So he then he puts Mix Discarude as your uh, what are they the holding midfielder? Center, yeah. I forget what they call it now, but basically the guy that your 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 defensive center midfielder. Sure, Discarude doesn't play that; he's an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. So basically, Klinsman sends, sends sets them up to fail, basically in Guatemala, and they did, and they did miserably. So, then you read this article that comes out where Klinsman says, I'm not playing players out of position. I don't know what you're talking about. Look at their club records, and you'll see that that's where they're playing. And you look at the clubs. Yedlin played two times out of 15 games on the wing for Sunderland. Yes. So, I mean, he plays like right a, back. Yeah. He plays right he back for Sunderland. That's why he made his name. That's how he's making his now millions in the Premier League because he did that so well for Seattle. Jeff Cameron, where does he play for Stoke? I'm pretty at, sure he in plays the center. center back. Yeah. Right? So, finally. At the 11th hour, when it's most desperately needed, Klinsman finally plays every player in their preferred mm-hmm. position. And what happens? They go out and dominate. I like that midfield. As much as I'm not a big fan of Kyle Beckerman, I like the Zussi Beckerman-Bradley midfield Well, last it worked night. out well for that game. Yeah, well, And, and Beckerman pl- is, a, is a defensive midfielder. Because they were playing a slower team, though, as well. Well, and they were able to slow them down. That's yeah. what we didn't see in the Guatemala game. Mm-hmm. All those players are out of sorts. You know, you can't sit there and, and, and play... 
right wing when you've been playing right back this whole time and, and expect this player to excel at that. Exactly. Well, I've said it over and over. Klinsman's got to stop experimenting. There, there's a time and place. And all the, all the Klinsman fanboys out there say, well, it's lack of talent. It's lack of talent. It is not lack of talent. We've got a talent. pretty deep pool, I think. We're okay. Listen, and if that's if that's where these players, that's where the argument is that it's a lack of talent, then I can use this argument against them. What they're saying is that American coaches do a better job of developing American players. Because if you look at Bob Bradley, you look sure. at Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena took him to the quarterfinals in 2002. Bob Bradley took him to second in the Confederations Cup. Both mm-hmm. Bradley and Arena were able to win the uh, CONCACAF qualifying region with outstanding numbers. Yeah. Klinsman has not done any of this. Arena and Bradley both won gold cups. Yeah. Klinsman has not been able to do – well, I guess he won one gold cup. He did. But then the one that really, really mattered – he experimented through the whole thing. That's true. No, right? I, I agree with you on that one. And it's interesting, too. And, folks, I'm sure you can look at different sides of the argument, too, and say, well, the game's gotten faster since Klinsman took over. So we're we trying to, to figure out how to play that German machine to the American in the transition. I get, I get the argument, like, defending him. But at the same time, I see your point as well, saying, well, hey, you know, why haven't you done this? You've had four and a half years. You should have done something relevant That's now. the whole point. He's exactly. been in there for four and a half years, five years mm-hmm. now. It's on him. Exactly. You can't keep laying this on the players. And if you're going to blame the players for it, I think that's absolutely ridiculous because these players keep putting, uh, being put in positions mm-hmm. in which they don't play for their club teams. And exactly. I, to me, that's total arrogance on Klinsman's part saying, I know better than the rest of the world of where to play these guys. I agree with you But on then that. again... It gets down to the fact that this was a must-win game. They don't win that game against Guatemala and Columbus. They don't qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, there was so, a there was a ten percent chance of them making the World Cup if they lost this game, and obviously they did what they needed to do. Right, and they looked like the better team from the get-go. There was nothing Absolutely. about Guatemala that I was like, oh, like Guatemala was smaller, slower, far more inefficient watching this game they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. i think they knew going into the game like look we just have to get through 90 minutes and try not to lose too badly and there was no urgency from the team at all honestly. no it definitely looked like they were playing to draw this game they did get a they, point out yeah. of, out they were of hoping for either a, you know a scoreless draw or maybe to sneak a goal in and I, there were one or two opportunities i mean brad guzan came up with some big saves late in the game I think that's what Guatemala would kind of hope. They're like, look, let's wear them down for 80-some minutes and then try to go get a goal. Obviously, they were already down 4-0 at that point, though. I'll tell you one thing about that first game. He also played Tim Howard out of position. (laughs) He did, yes. Tim Howard belongs on the bench right now. He does. Tim Howard. And I'm a big Everton guy. I've been a big Tim Howard fan. So I'm being completely objective about this. Yes. Tim Howard belonged on the bench. Yes, and I, I agree. And I heard a recent interview Tim Howard did with uh, the guys over at Men in Blazers, and um, they asked him, do you want to go, would you like to be on the World Cup roster? He's like, well, obviously that's any player's goal. If you're in the player pool, you want to be on the World Cup roster in Russia. And at this point, as a fan and as a, an analyst of the league and of the team, I don't want him on the team. I don't. He's going to be far too old. He will not be good enough to propel the U.S. to wherever they think they might go. The only thing I would say to that is maybe you do have him on the team. But he as, doesn't as, start. As, right, yeah. as, even as a third stringer but, but just you, for that leadership and guidance. But do you quote-unquote waste a roster spot on someone that's not going to play? I, I, don't, I don't think it's a waste when we're talking goalkeepers. Yes. You have to take three goalkeepers with you. That's, so who, that's who, who would you rules. take right now? I'm assuming Brad. So, I mean, Guzan Brad, would be, yeah. yeah. The, way he, the way he played against uh, Guatemala, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the three that we've got right now that were called up for this game would be Guzan, Howard, and David Bingham. I mean, those three are 
high quality. Yeah, I, I want to see more out of Bingham. I mean, he he's been playing extremely well for San Jose. Yeah, uh, but I wouldn't mind when the World Cup comes around. You know, we'll have to check in with Cropper and Horvath, who are on the uh, mm-hmm. Olympic roster. Those those are some good goalkeepers, right? Absolutely. There. I mean, sure. you hear about Bill Hamid too, Sean Johnson, but yeah, those, I'm not really sold on those guys. They've I'm had not, plenty of time. They they've had time, uh, and with the way the the youth goalkeepers are looking, I think they're going to pass mm-hmm. those guys up if they haven't already. To be honest, with I'd you. agree with you. Yeah, Horvath and uh, Bingham are kind of going with the same haircut style too. I thought they were each other for a minute when I was watching the Columbia game. I'm like, did he fly to Dallas fast? Speaking, of, speaking of players, though, younger players, Birnbaum did quite a nice job yes. uh, against Guatemala. That speaking was, of being thrown to the wolves. Right, right. And I understand that was out of necessity. Fabian Johnson's hurt. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is but hurt. But he was played in a position, and I think that's why he, it worked, though, because he yes. was played in a position he's used to playing. If he, if Klinsman would have been like, Steve, I need you to play holding center mid, we'd have been like, ah, uh, shh. Sure, coach, but it would not have worked out well. Birnbaum, Jeff Cameron, two tall, strong guys. Birnbaum, second-year player in MLS. He's a very young guy. He was just in college two years ago. And right, now he's playing right. in World Cup qualifiers, and I know that's how the U.S. system works at times. But Steve Birnbaum, I've always been a fan of him since he's come into the league. It's a fortunate that he plays for D.C. United, but he's a very good player. He's though. a great player. That's uh, the thing about it. And, you know, having that speed with Yedlin in the back again was so refreshing to yes. see. Uh, Castillo, I, I, Edgar Castillo, I have Who? to say, he's still... Uh, Why is he on this team? And play that ball as like the Premier League defender's ball. Right. That's the smarts. Because you would not see David Bingham make that same pass, right. I don't feel like. Well, and Zardis had the intelligence to make that run, mm-hmm. to know where to go. Yeah. And that, that just it confused it confused the, the two backs for Guatemala. Yeah. And they both and, and went, and then there. that was like, oh, perfect. As a, as a holding center forward, you're like, oh, look, a ball, perfect. And then he knocked it in. I will admit, though, I was very disappointed with how Bobby Wood played in this game. A lot of mistouches, a lot yeah. of wayward runs. He had opportunities to do things in this game, but most of the game I was sitting there. Because I've, I've always been a closet Bobby Wood fan. I'd be like, look, I've, I thought he was a good kid you know, growing up. He's scored some fantastic goals last year. I mean, against Germany, against the Netherlands. That's He made his name. Like, hey, guys, yeah, I'm I th- relevant. I wonder if the pressure of the game perhaps got to him because those were friendlies and those are those games where yeah if I produce great if I don't it's Germany or the Netherlands no loss but now you're playing in a game that is that is the most must win game the US has played in a long time exactly and you could tell that you could sense the frustration in his mind because and even the the forward pool right now is there's enough guys in the forward pool that you can be like okay who's going to emerge and I think Zardes and Dempsey are in because Josie, it's hard to know because Josie's been battling injuries. Yes, I know he got a goal last night, but it was almost handed to him. But a goal's a goal, you know, of course. Now, I'm going to change things up just a bit. Please. First of all, before I do this, I want to comment on Molta, the goalkeeper for, uh, yeah. for Guatemala. Let's not discredit the fantastic performance he, he had very in, the, in, well. the, in the first game. Not, you know, not too great in the second game. You know, he also his his backs were not as well organized no. as they were in that first. But it, he made a lot of outstanding saves in. Uh, in Guatemala. But you imagine if Klinsman had played this lineup in Guatemala. Yes. Right? So then that means the U.S. wins. Now they're sitting pretty. That also means then that a player like DeAndre Yedlin goes and plays with the Olympic team. Potentially. Uh, Zardis doesn't qualify for the Olympic team anymore. No, it's too uh, old. there were a couple. Well, Jonathan Brooks would have, but he uh, he's injured he as well. He got a knee injury. Yep, he had to go home. But there were a number of players. Was it Birnbaum? Is he is he still eligible? Steve, I, I don't know. Either way, there there were a number of players that they were talking about mm-hmm. considering Yedlin sending over to the Olympic the team one. and yeah. Yedlin being the big one, which the Olympic team could have very much used Yedlin on defense against Colombia last night. They, they did. They, and they that's, got that's torn a good segue shreds. for it. Yes, they were. It was. I watched the first twenty minutes. No, not even that much. Fifteen minutes of the game, and then I had to go and uh, take care of a couple of things. But. 
the U.S. I mean, aside from looking like babies, they they looked so young. They look so they young. They so young. And I'm like, and I'm watching and I'm like, okay, I, I get it. You know, these are, but then I, I was, then I had the, the self-realization like, okay, these guys are my age. Okay. I'm not old, but I'm not young at the same time. I'm like, okay, I get it. But they didn't look, they looked like they had the drive. They're like, okay, we know what we need to do. Let's go out and run around and play crazy. But they, a lot of these guys are still in college or still trying to figure out their way in their lower teams. I mean, Will Trapp is just a man among boys. He's a fantastic young midfielder. I forget how young he is. I mean, he's a consistent dominant starter for the Columbus crew, which is great. But this team looked like they're like, hey, if we run around for 90 minutes and, you know, hit some people and maybe take a few wayward shots, maybe something will go in. Obviously, they got an own goal. Yay, great. But Pulisic, by the way, that's who else I was yeah, thinking have been could, have, could have played with them. I'm glad that he did, that uh, Klinsman did sub him in, and I think everybody in the U.S. soccer world was like, okay, good, we've got him. We've got him. And that yes, was yes, that was honestly yes. the only reason he was there. I mean, oh, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. But in the whatever he was on for, 10 or 15 minutes, he and Ethan Finley ran that game. Pulisic had the ball at his feet on the left wing. He just he ran through everybody. He almost scored a couple times. By the way, Ethan Finley, he was not offsides. Hundred percent not offsides. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I had rehearsal last night, so I was checking. Okay, there in was and out a, the there game. was a there was at least a half to not three fourths of a Guatemalan player in front of Ethan Finley before he made his run before the ball was played and the ref was like offsides. And you can see Ethan, Ethan Finley was probably the last person in the stadium to find out about the offsides call because mm. he celebrated. He was in the corner. He scored for his country in his home stadium. Right. I can't even imagine those that, you know, that feeling. And then they're like, you're offsides. And he, I could, he was, you could see him even like leaving the field at the end of the game, like looking at the refs and like, I saw Lee win from the Revs like come over and they were talking to each other and he was like, yeah, you aren't offsides. And he was like, I knew it. He was like, I knew it. He was, <laughs> He was he was thoroughly upset about it, but it was good to see younger, quote unquote, younger senior players do really well. And Ethan Finley is one of those guys that some diehard national team fans have been saying, "Hey, when are we going to get Finley in the lineup? When are we going to sure. get some of these other guys sure. in?" And he did a very good job last night. Granted, he might have gotten that uh, that multiplier because he was at home, so that certainly helped. But at the same time, it was still a very good performance from them overall. Well, and a few thoughts back on this Olympic team. Please. It's, it really is so disappointing. This is two cycles in a row now where the U.S. is not going to be in the Olympics. Yep. And again, this has to fall on the technical director of U.S. soccer, who happens to be Jurgen Klinsmann. True. There's, at some point, there has to be accountability. Uh, now, obviously, Herzog, who's the coach of the Olympic team, needed to plan better as well. Mm-hmm. But what all you... three goals, all three goals were scored by Colombia. Yes. It was an own goal by Colombia for the U.S. Jordan Morris looked terrible, not involved at all. And, of course, you can't be involved when the midfield can't get the ball up to you as yep. well. Um, in the, the defense, they played well for maybe the first 20 minutes, and then it was just confusion. As the English would say, they were totally sixes and sevens. Yes. Well, what do you what do? You do if, and I, I understand, like... The fact that both games are being scheduled at the same time, but if you had to go back for a second, like the results that still mm-hmm. happened on, on Thursday or Friday happened the way they did, how do you structure these two teams accordingly? Well, I, I go back to, and I know you don't want me to do this, but I go back to the fact that the way Klinsman rolled out that lineup yeah. against Guatemala, to me, is one of the main reasons the U.S. looked like they did, because they weren't able to execute their overall plan sure. of sending Pulisic, sending Yedlin mm-hmm. over to the Olympic team and help them out. Would you have done that, though, to begin with? And I know that was the big argument, though. Was like, well, maybe apparently Yedlin Pulisic, was, been there. Pulisic was injured to begin with, which is why he didn't play in the first mm-hmm. game. Um, yeah, I think they... No, I, I say you still take Yedlin. I mean, it worked out well. They got a 1-1 draw in Colombia. Sure. But you win that game against Guatemala... 
Yeah, that's a different. And then I feel like you almost send the house within reason, right? And just pack it in, and you know, let the let the vets up top do their work. Obviously, at home against Guatemala, it would but, have been a different story. But my overall point here, Baxter, isn't even just these two games. It's just a micronism of really what's mm-hmm. going on. Agreed. It's two under Klinsman's watch as technical director of U.S. Soccer. We have not qualified for the Olympics. Yes, that is that, that's the honest so, truth. So, and it. that's yeah. when you asked me at the beginning of the show. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, I would be fine, great, sure. awesome. Yeah. You know, now I hope Klinsman comes to his senses and continues with a consistent lineup mm-hmm. that looks similar to this. But you and I both know that's not going to happen. Exactly. Um, but if if he had played this way from the start, if he had put this lineup out there from the start, mm-hmm. more than likely they win in Guatemala. They don't get their twenty-one game unbeaten streak against Guatemala snapped. Yeah. And they can send players to play with the U.S. Olympic team that perhaps could have kept this a draw at zero-zero or perhaps even win the game. Exactly. And now we're qualified for the uh, the Hex, or near qualified for the Hex, mm-hmm. and we're qualified for the Olympics. And but everybody would have been happy. Very much so. And now we're not. <laughs> <laughs> now we get one. Now I'm only halfway happy. And now you can, ar- you, make it, you can make the argument, too, before we go to break, about saying, well, the World Cup is better than the Olympics overall. Sure. If you had but, to take one. But, but you yes. want to be involved in every... Exactly. World tournament that you can. Exactly. And now we're not for the second time. But I wonder, though, too, if the Copa America, since that's taking place here at home, how much tinkering, how much experimental will happen? How many younger are these guys now that maybe Andy Herzog might go back to Jurgen and say, hey, look, I had a couple young guys. Maybe they might help in Copa America, get them some more experience. I certainly hope so. Maybe, that, maybe if the U.S. really gets behind the team, maybe we can make this our own Olympics. You know, Because, I mean, winning a Copa America, winning a major tournament, I feel like would, would be, be huge. Would be huge. Yes, yes winning yes, an Olympic yeah. gold medal is, is huge, but I think the Olympics on the men's side have lost their luster. I mean, it's a gold medal. Yes I'm not no. taking anything yes away no. from an Olympic gold medal. The, 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 well, all I'm saying, and this is what your point is about yeah. Copa, is that it at least, when you're playing in the Olympics, mm-hmm. you're playing in pressure games from the get-go. True. Well, Copa to America, miss out on that, to yeah. miss out on that, guaranteed for young players, True. to miss out on that, is a huge loss. I'd agree with you. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, Ali Bush of the Houston Dash, an Australian women's national team, will be here with us on the program. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we've got a unique and a exciting opportunity today to speak with one of the Houston Dash players for our Women's Soccer Spotlight today. We have Ellie Brush on the phone with us today. Ellie, good afternoon to you. 
Good afternoon, guys. It's lovely to be on. We're excited to speak with you. And right away, I mean, I, I haven't had the opportunity to speak with, with a true Aussie before, so immediately the the little kid inside me is like, oh, this is so cool. So <laughs> I'm not making fun of your accent. I, I love it, honestly. So it's uh, it's going to be a pleasure. So, uh, Ellie, uh, preseason is rolling along for you guys. And uh, how are, how's everything starting to look down there for the Houston Dash? Yeah, it's certainly rolling along. We've had um, four or five days already, so getting into the rhythm of training and I haven't had a pre-season here so I um, I don't like to say I'm enjoying it but um, no it's really it's going really well Um, the team's shaping up really nicely I'm excited for the year ahead actually yeah and and actually um, you're talking about pre-season if I if if I understand this right you spent a whole season in Australia or maybe not a whole season but but the off season in Australia with uh well, kind of like your home club, Canberra United, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, so not really an off-season um, for me. Um, I went straight home to Australia and um, pretty much straight into the Australian season um, back home. And, yeah, got in the whole season there. We did pretty well, but got knocked out in the semis. Um, and, yeah, had a couple of weeks off and into pre-season training before I headed over here, and now I've been here about a week and a half and settling in pretty nicely. Yeah, I, I saw that. Uh, probably some, probably something you don't want me to bring up, but the controversial goal that Sydney FC scored against you in that yeah. semifinal. Wonder if you wanted to comment on uh, that at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we need a we need a review into those referees. I think mm. <laughs> I probably can't say that, can I? No, um, <laughs> but actually, um, Lydia Williams uh, was the goalkeeper that day, and of, of course, she'll be joining the dash as well. She actually right. flies in tonight. Oh, fantastic! Tonight, so I'm sure she'll have something to say about that as well. <laughs> um, but definitely a foul. We got totally ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, I it, I know we're not supposed to say this, but I'm on your side with that. Yeah, one. I'd agree with you on that one too. We've we've seen <laughs> yeah. our fair share. No impartialities here. <laughs> right. No kidding. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm curious too. You said you you spent some time over in Australia. Now you're here down in Houston. Is there a difference, at least maybe in the climate aspect of it at all, or even the style of play that you've seen just in your uh, your first few weeks here with the Dash? Yeah. Um, I was obviously here. Um, through the season or through most of the season last year as well and the climate definitely a, a big difference from back home it's it's still hot back home but it's a dry heat and just getting used to that humidity is something else so can't wait for summer to roll around again and um, but we'll try to use that this year to our advantage and really um, let the let the away sides know that, that they hate it here and um, hopefully bring the worst conditions for them Possible, which of course won't be the nicest for us as well, but um, <laughs> we'll 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 get through that. And um, God, I suppose the the main differences are probably between Australia and, and here is um, in the speed of play. Um, it just tends to be a lot more physical and fast over here in the states, and you've you've just got to be concentrating 100% of the time, or else somebody's going to take advantage of the slightest error. Um, it's just it's just really cutthroat and you've you've got to be 100% um, committed and focused throughout the, the whole 90 minutes and um, things that you might um, do poorly, poorly, bad touches back home, you know, might not get capitalised on there, but you definitely notice that they do here. And, and that made me a better player going back home and um, uh, it was really noticeable 
stepping back to that league that mm. that um, I I was a bit sharper um, than that time the year before. So yeah, it's it's doing great things, and I'm I'm um, really enjoying the competitiveness over here, and it's obviously one of the best leagues in the world. So I'm enjoying. Um, competition and the challenge and and hopefully the dash will do very well again this year we're talking to ellie brush on two up front here for our women's soccer spotlight uh ellie you've had some personal success obviously you won a couple of uh, championships in the w league over there in australia and you were the dash's defender of the year last year and you know looking back on the two years the dash has been in the nwsl they were ninth their first year fifth last year what do you think the dash has to do this coming season to uh, perhaps get into one of those one two three or four spots yeah, um, looking across the different teams, uh, the um, league's obviously going to be really tight again, and um, we have to make sure that we we gel really well as a as a team. Um, it's it's good all these games coming up early in the preseason that we'll be able to get used to each other's playing styles a bit better this year, and um, really sort of work together to become a, a cohesive unit, the one that. We all know what each other's doing. We're all on the same page. Um, so it'll be a big part of my job to to sort of try and lead the back line and make sure we're not conceding any goals um, at all, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the goal, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my job done if we've got a clean sheet at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, then we hope that oh, the flair that we've got this year um, up front looks amazing. Um it's already sort of starting to show um, in, pre- in the early stages of pre-season and um, I'm excited for what they can do and hopefully, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a great team to watch. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get out there at BBVA very soon. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Now, the listeners of our show, Ellie, know uh, that we do like to talk about American soccer on our show, obviously, um, and you've got two notable figures on the Houston Dash that U.S. women's soccer fans know. You've got Morgan Bryan and Carly Lloyd on your team. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to interact with them at training and just have them on your team instead of on the international level where you might have to play against them at times? Yeah, it's it's amazing having those two girls in the team. You just you notice um, their sort of step up in professionalism um, at training, um, either, and then off the field, of course, as well. Um, just just great players that we all try and learn as much as we can from each and every day. Um, and it's great for the, the times that they're back and they just sort of lift that, that level, that little bit at, at training and um, you see what they sort of have to put in to, to be that sort of next level of professional uh, each and every day. And, yeah, Mo's, yeah, underrated, amazing player, I think. And um, Carly's just that um, next level as well. So, yeah. It's what a pleasure to have them in our team, and I certainly wouldn't be, want to be coming up against them. Um, in <laughs> right, and uh, so speaking on the international level too, again on a more personal level for you, I know you've got a couple of caps with the Australian women's national team. I'm assuming those aspirations are still there to uh, get back on the team. Has there been any talks with the with the national team program for yourself? Yeah, um, certainly aspirations, absolutely. Um, that's always there at the back of my mind, and. Um, after the this dash season last year, I went back home and was um, invited to a couple of camps. Um, didn't end up making the sort of roster for qualifying. Um, didn't get that much feedback. I don't like. Uh, all I can do now is just have another great season here in 
in Houston and, and hope for the best uh, with the Olympics going especially and then going forward, of course, as well. But, yeah, absolutely um, one of my goals. And, um, yeah, I feel confident that I could do a job there and um, just hope the national team um, coach sees it that way as well. But, yeah, right. all I've got to do is just my best every every day. One of the follow-up things with that too, Ellie, is I know, at least in the men's game, we hear all the time about, you know, well, if you play for, you know, the Premier League, you play in La Liga, you play in, you know, these these high-flight cl- teams in Europe and such, that, you know, that helps you with the national team. I feel like playing in the NWSL, at least in my opinion, is semi-equal to being able to play some of that high-caliber English football just because you see all the big stars coming over to America now from all kinds of nationalities. So mm-hmm. I feel like, at least in my opinion, playing in the NWSL might help your stock, at least in the, the national team coach's eyes. Do you do you agree with that, or do you see it from a different perspective? No, no, I definitely agree with that, and it was probably one of the main um, pulling factors of, of me coming over here, um, definitely for the Dash last year, and coming back again this year. It's, I think where I'll have the most... Um, potential to to be looked at and um, to improve my game um, as best as I can um, to be hopefully on that playing on that um, national team and um, yeah I mean I got some great feedback last year when I when I came home that I was looking so uh, like a lot an improved player and well, that's um, good yeah that's what yeah. you want to hear yeah yeah so. <laughs> Well, that's good. Exactly, I mean, because exactly. you know, what good would it be if you're if you're not improving and such? You know, so it sounds like you've made some pretty big strides in your career the last couple of seasons, and it's obviously starting to take notice as well. I mean, I'm sure winning, you know, the team's defensive player of the year last season certainly helped as well. So, <laughs> speaking of defense, speaking of the team as a whole, opening day is just a couple of weeks away. You guys take on the Chicago Red Stars in your opening game, and it's a home opener as well. So, I'm sure kicking off the season at home always makes for a good time. But playing a team like the Red Stars opening day does kind of raise a little bit of concern. You've got to deal with people like Kristen Press. Offensively, you on the defensive side having to worry about her. Do you have a? I know it's still early. I know the teams are still shaping up and all that. But do you have you already started to look ahead to that opening day and start to kind of get some of your notes down paper about you know who needs to mark who and some of those things? Yeah. Uh, well, we certainly we haven't as a team just yet. We haven't done our um, sort of scouting for them. We'll do that in the, in the week, probably maybe two weeks leading up to that game um, just trying to focus on ourselves at the moment and um, get all that sort of right but I, I certainly remember I think it was Chicago actually that we played in the very last game of last season and I yeah def- had to come up against um, Kristen Press and that, it was a great challenge it was, yeah it was great to play against her and um, she didn't do much she didn't do much all day actually and, until she popped up and scored the equaliser late in the game mm. so um, a special player and yeah they're a special team so we're going to have to do our homework and uh, be prepared for that one but yeah looking forward to the home opener and I'm sure I get a great crowd out there absolutely Hopefully, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys have the ability too to play in. I mean, I don't want to call it an MLS stadium because it's you guys do share the field at times as well. But you guys play in BBVA's Compass Stadium, which it's is beautiful, a park. bigger, yeah, gorgeous park. Simon's down from that is from that Texas area from college and all that too, so he's used to all that stuff down there. But uh, I have to ask this question as well, just because it's obvious that you have strong feelings and ties to uh, Australia, and I need to ask how you viewed their if you want to call it success or not at the Women's World Cup this last year, personally, Australia was my dark horse pick to go a lot farther than they did, and I was 
very sad when they when you guys did make an exit, mm-hmm. a, a little bit too early of an exit, honestly, because you your national team is honestly a lot of fun to watch. They you are, guys yeah. move the ball really well, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. a, an exciting team. So I'm just kind of curious to get from a you know from your a home perspective what your thoughts were on the team doing how they finished this tournament. Yeah, um, I was impressed watching them as well. It was it was um, yeah great to watch, as you said. They have a really sort of exciting brand of football that they play, and um, I was involved in a lot of that in the lead up to um, last year's World Cup. So uh, I knew the sort of coach that he was and the philosophies that he's building, and it's um, building a, a great team, especially um, attacking wise. And yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, yeah, really impressed at how they're they're looking. So. Uh, they were again uh, very good in the qualifying tournament. Um, came up against Japan, of course, as well, who they went out to in the World Cup that you were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, and beat them. What was the score? I think it might have been three-one. Um, so beat Japan the first game and looked again really, really. Yeah, really and Japan's good. not so, going to the Olympics either, so that's a yeah, big win for them. It was a massive shock, massive shock. Um, but I'd, I'd have Australia tip pretty highly in this Olympics, actually. I, yeah, better watch out. World, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's coming for you. It's good to see. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a great note to end on, uh, Ellie. Thank you so much for your time here on Two Up Front. We really appreciate it. I uh, want to wish you the best of luck this season. And, yeah, thank you. Ali. And perhaps when you visit Chicago this year, Baxter and I can get down there and meet you face to face. Absolutely, we'd love that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love that. Absolutely. Let's do it. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Ali, we'll make it happen. Thank you so much. Ali Brush of the Houston Dash and the Australian international team as well. Thank you so much, Ali. We will hopefully have you on the program again in the future. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. You're very Thank welcome. You. Cheers. Uh, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action to talk about. I'm sure something MLS-related is ready to spew from Simon's lips, and I've always got something witty to say, I'm sure. So we'll ha- talk about that and so much more when we come back on 2 Up Front right after this. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Allie Brush, what a lovely gal she was. She really was. Fantastic personality, uh, very genuine, honest. It was great to talk to her. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, well, we are going to move now into the MLS side of things and take a look back at the three games that happened in Major League Soccer this last week. Uh, only three games, obviously, due to some of the international games taking place as well. 
So MLS, uh, as we mentioned last week, not needing to still play so many games during international breaks to stay relevant because of the size of the league and the growth and everything, which has been fantastic. So three games that took place. Uh, my New England Revolution played the first game on Saturday against NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. And uh, let's be honest, it was New England got bailed out in this game thanks to a nice goal from Chris Tierney on a free kick which is reason number 4,285 of why he should at least get an opportunity to go to the U.S. men's national team. You know, one thing to be honest on that goal is it did come off a deflection. However, you create your own luck. Exactly. And that's exactly what he's been doing for the last two or three years. It's one thing to be a fanboy of a not good player, but it's another thing to be a fanboy of somebody that is consistently good. And Chris Tierney over the last two seasons has completely come into his own as one of the best defenders not only in attacking prowess but he's a very smart defender as well and I know New England has yet to win a game this year but Chris Tierney at the left back spot with his left foot are very very dangerous he's got a very very good curling free kick he's very good at long ball service as well and he just sees the field incredibly well and if you know if it's between Chris Tierney or Edgar Castillo starting at my left back spot, I'd rather have Chris Tierney personally from an overall with, perspective. With the way he's looking, and as you said, I mean he's got the not that a strong left foot is the only requirement mm-hmm. of a uh, of a left back, but you look at somebody like Steve Chirundolo who did have a strong left foot. Yeah, uh, he's got great vision of the field. I see that in Chris Tierney as well. And so Baxter, I can't argue with you. I wouldn't mind seeing him at least given the opportunity. Left Something, back yeah. is is a continual problem for the U.S. national team, as I said before. So why not give somebody like Chris Tierney? A chance. Exactly. Yeah, well, going back to this game, though, as a whole, we finally saw Poku. He does exist. He finally made an emergence on the field. Didn't do a whole lot, unfortunately. Uh, Set up a few opportunities, but nothing ended up coming from it. Uh, NYCFC, though, getting a good team goal, as you mentioned, Simon, off the air as we were talking about the game a little bit. Uh, Tommy McNamara finishing off the the work there from the team, but nice little header there to well, rebound. What you saw a lot is what I try to teach my young ones is as simple as it sounds, follow your shot. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you follow your to. teammate's shot. And that's exactly what we saw happen there was ping, ping, ping. And finally, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, McNamara puts it away in the, uh, in the early on in the 10th minute. I really don't feel like it's rocket science to follow up a shot. As a forward growing up, I always would tell the other people, I mean, after I would, you know, take a shot too, I was like, look, I'm like, we got to follow, even as coaching, too, the little bit of coaching that I've done or some, you know, training for younger forwards and stuff for high school. I'm like, no matter where the ball is coming from, crash the box. Always sure, crash the sure. box. You know? I, think, I think for the person who takes the shot, there's some human nature in there, especially if you're an American. You know, you, you're playing golf and you mm-hmm. hit a drive. What do you do? You stand there and watch your great drive. Yeah. You know, you hit a home run. You it's sit true. there and you watch the ball. Watch it, yeah. I think it's the same thing, you know, taking a shot. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a great shot. Look at that thing. It's going to go in. It's going to go in. Yeah. Oh, no, it hit the post. Oh, I should have been up there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's uh, coming of age sort of thing, too. I mean, as yeah. you get more experience and stuff, too. But you're right, though. That is more of a, an American thing where we just like to admire right. shots as, yes. they, as they go instead of continuing on with the play. But New England, they have yet to win a game this year. And uh, yet they still set one point out of uh, playoff position in the East. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the East. They've got three points. They're 0-1-3 and on the season. So they've only lost one game. So if you're looking for a positive, that is yeah. a positive, which is which is great. But, you know, now they, they look ahead this week. They will take on the New York Red Bulls. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, I'm wondering what is going to happen with this squad. But I, I like watching NYCFC for their offense. Defensively, I don't feel like they're a very good team at all. Offensively, Villa, McNamara, Poku, all these guys that they've got. I mean, David Villa is ageless. 
I feel like. He's still running around making fantastic moves against these defenders that we saw him do at a World Cup a couple of years ago. Well, what's odd, Baxter, for me is, I agree with you, New York City's defense is so shaky. And when you got a team with players like Bunbury, Agadalo, mm-hmm. Rowe, who should be playing much better than they are, it's almost shocking that... They don't score more, more goals against a team like New York City. Now, exactly. maybe it is a matter, you know, Portland started out with a ton of draws last year, and what mm-hmm. did they do? They ended up winning the MLS Cup. True. So maybe that's what we see with New England. But these players who are usually producing, I mean, Egadello goes out in the uh, 57th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Bunbury goes out in the 80th minute. These are guys that, you know, they're supposed to be... They're supposed to be the goal scorers of this team. Exactly. No, I, I agree with you on that one. So hopefully New England can find a little bit of a, a path to a more promising, not only goal-scoring land, but a more consistent defensive land as well. Ben. We saw Kofi go out with a red card in this one, a straight red card, only in the 51st, 52nd minute as well. So now the team will have to rebound and slide somebody and probably Diego Kobayashi will slide in and play that uh, center defensive mid next week or on Friday night, I guess, against the Red Bulls, which uh, he'll have to go up against a guy like Dax McCarty. Now, am I right that Charlie Davies is coming back from injury? Yes, Davies right? has been back and forth a little bit right, of injury okay. recently, but the Davies, Agudelo, neither of them are 100% healthy to my okay, knowledge, okay. Um, but Davies did have, um, was it a hamstring? It was something... A minor injury. It wasn't like a tear or anything, but he he had a small injury. Yeah, the only reason to bring that up is he did enter the game in the 33rd minute. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's producing. He got a shot on a couple of shots, one of them on goal, Mm -hmm. a couple of offsides, which is you actually want to see your striker be offsides a few times because that means he's he's trying to get himself set up. Um, The only reason I was asking, I know you know more about New England more intimately than I do. Mm Mm-hmm. But I was just curious as to why he he wouldn't start in a game like this. Yeah, and I think the fitness and the uh, injury bit of it is the only reason about it. So when when fully healthy, and I know this is a, a cliche thing to say, when fully healthy, the Revolution are a very good yeah. team. But it's <laughs> oh, very true, true though. I, it I, is. I, I apologize. He didn't enter the 33rd minute. I'm sorry. He played for 33 yes. minutes. Yeah. So with that being said, NYCFC now find themselves sitting in fourth in the Eastern Conference with a 1-1-2 one, one, and two record. Not awful. Not terrible. But if you look at the top six in the Eastern Conference, it's Montreal, Philly, Orlando, NYCFC, Toronto, and the Red Bulls. That just sounds boring. It's a very boring playoffs, <laughs> personally. Well, I don't know. You don't have Chicago in. You don't have D.C. United in. Who, oh, yeah. Those guys don't belong in. Who we got to talk about. Boy, D.C. United. What a what an embarrassment. Yeah. FC Dallas continuing their dominant run this season. They take advantage of the fact that D.C. United had their water boy in the goal. I mean, there were still some good saves from the D.C. United goalkeeper, but at the same time, FC Dallas finally was starting to come back to their own, saying, look, we are one of the best teams in the league, and we are ne- we need to keep pace in a very competitive Western Conference, so this win was very important for them because now they're tied in first place with Sporting Kansas City. Good teams beat good teams. Great teams beat good teams and bad teams, and FC Dallas right now is looking like a great team because mm-hmm. they don't they, they go into D.C. Everybody knows D.C. is just horrific this mm-hmm. year. And, yeah, they didn't play the most pretty of football, the FC Dallas, but they still walked out of there with a 3-0 win, and Barrios was on fire this game. He was all over the place in the final third, putting in two goals, named Player of the Week by MLS, mm-hmm. uh, Mario Diaz. Uh, by the way... <laughs> Baxter? Yes, Simon. I, I bought Diaz in my MLS fantasy team. Mm, okay. I put him in my starting lineup. Okay. I click save. Sure. All excited when I saw that he scored a goal and, and had a very... Or, or an assist. Did, or got an assist, had a very fruitful game. Sure. And then I go on and find out that somehow he stayed on my bench. Oh, 
How interesting. So congratulations. Thank you. You are in first place in our fantasy Woo! league. I, I got dropped to second. 44 points this week. Which, and I, I'll only, I mean, and this is a double, a double week. Well, as well, and that's the other thing that kills me now is now Diaz is, will continue to be on my bench because we can't make changes for this. Upcoming You're still weekend. in second place though in the yeah. league. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I got my 44 points. You only got 13 this last week, so I'm a, I'm ahead of you by 13 overall points. And just think, if I had Captain Giovinco my first two games, I'd still be ahead of you. That's true. But that's on me. But yeah, this week, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? We'll have to we'll have to figure something out. But anyways, it, this was not the most prettiest of games. As I said, most prettiest. There's some other great English from uh, your commentator. <laughs> we are good to go this week. But Woo! FC Dallas did what they had to do. Uh, Rudy, that's who got the other goal. Still ah. doing the same thing he loves to do, score goals. He did a lot for Portland. He's doing it a lot for FC Dallas. He was my captain this week. I got 16 points out of Maxi Rudy, and I still have one more game left for him as well, I think. Now, if you're still looking for a goalkeeper in MLS yeah. Fantasy and... We know a man. And you have some cash to spend, David Ousted for the Vancouver Whitecaps. He is the sole reason, as we jump along to this game, that Vancouver won this game off of a questionable PK mm-hmm. goal by uh, Pedro Morales, but... Vancouver wins 1-0 over a Houston team that, for the most part, just dominated. They had shot after shot after shot. I mean, they had, you know, it only registers as five shots on goal. But for those of you who may be new to soccer, five shots on goal is actually a pretty good on statistic. On goal, yes, it's one thing. Yeah. Um, but my goodness, I mean, Ricardo Clark himself had four shots. Mm-hmm. And you go down the list, Will Bruin had a shot. Demarcus Beasley, a defender, of course, has a shot. Alex, the great midfielder, had a shot. Andrew Wagner, who has been playing fantastic this season. Goes out in the 58th minute, but he has two shots on goal. So Houston was just, they were all over the place. Um, How Vancouver got out of this game with three points all falls on the shoulders of David Austin. He played the game of his life. And if you're looking for a goalkeeper, as you mentioned in fantasy, he's worth, uh, well, six dollars i guess technically is how is that how it's called or six million six million six million yeah. okay. if he's worth six dollars everybody go and I get mean, david but six, actually six million is still decent technically yeah that's on, that's the high end for goalkeepers usually you don't see a lot of goalkeepers go exceptionally high so yeah he's uh he's one of those guys go take a look at i might try to rework my team a little bit because like i said i've got bobby shuttleworth and uh josh saunders as my goalies but that's I, that's the other thing don't make the mistake I made this week. You got to look at the youth teams as well. I had Jesse Gonzalez as my mm-hmm. starting goalkeeper. Got excited when I saw the three zero win as well. You're like, oh then, yeah, points. Oh, he got called up by the Mexican national yeah. uh, Olympic team. Make sure to check your your fantasy lineup at least more than one time in a week. And if yes, you're looking for yes. a good website too to get some information on RotoWire.com/soccer, it's got all fantasy soccer. So if you play Premier League, anything else too, you can get it that way. But it's good just to find out breaking information about any player in any league. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, so just those three games this weekend because of all the international games going on. So we have a full slate of games coming up uh, this this coming weekend. Want to do predictions now or do Why we not? Do yeah. this? Okay. I'm fine with that. Well, let's look back this last week. So we, recapping what we picked last week, Guatemala, USA, that first round, you took USA, I took a draw. We both were wrong. Um, NYCFC and the Revs, I took a draw, you took NYCFC, so I got a point there. FC Dallas, DC United, um, we both took uh, FC Dallas, so we both got a point there. Vancouver, Houston, you took Vancouver, I took Houston, you got a point there. We both took Columbia beating the U23 USAs, and that was a draw, so we didn't get a point there. And then we both took Mexico over Canada in that first leg, uh, so we both went 3-3. Three and three. Probably our best week so far. Yeah, that, uh, technically, 
Technically, it was the best week we've ever had. <laughs> and sad. technically, we were four and three because we didn't mark it down, but we talked True. afterwards how we both felt the U.S. was going to uh, win in Columbus. True. Well, I've got that included in week five predictions, so okay. I'll pad our okay. stats. Oh, good. For so, this we, one, so we get a win this week. All right, good. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So we're both already on the board with that one, with uh, USA beating Guatemala. So, all right, Simon, let's take a look at what we've got. Uh, you, let's see, the Revs and Red Bulls Friday night. New England hosting. This is always a good rivalry. Anytime you get to see the Revolution and the Red Bulls battle it out. Neither team doing exceptionally well right now. They're both tied in points, although the Red Bulls are in the playoffs if they started today. With They both have three points, but the Red Bulls actually have a victory. And that's right. You would think the goal differential would, would be the first tiebreaker, yep. but it's not. It's And I agree with this, actually. I prefer that the wins come as the first tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's this is in New England. I'm going to go with a New England win on this one. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, see, as someone that follows the team fairly closely, it's hard for me to bend one way or another on who I think is going to do well, but uh, I also hope slash believe that the Revs win this game as well. Chicago and Philadelphia, traditionally a game we don't care about because these teams are terrible, but right now Philadelphia, their second place in the Eastern Conference, they look like a good team. Is this another win for them against a bad Chicago Fire team? No, it's a draw. Hmm. Why do you say that? I don't believe in Philly quite yet. Okay. If they win this game, uh, by the way, I had them at number five in my power rankings, just so everybody out there knows. We're going to skip the power rankings this week because there were only those three games. We will be doing them again on our our show next week. Yes. Uh, But I am going to, uh, yeah, I just, I don't believe in Philly yet. Chicago is playing terrible. Um I'm going to take Chicago. You're taking Chicago. I'm going to still take a draw. I'm going to. I'm going to hope that Chicago. I, I, that's more of a charity bid for them saying. And I, I know I might be throwing that away, but I'm. I'm going to just put You're Chicago right, and say, "Hey, good. you know what, guys? Good for you. Get after it." Right. Uh, Colorado and Toronto FC. Still no Jermaine Jones. Still got to wait a little bit longer. Obviously, no Tim Howard until the summer months. So regardless, regardless. Colorado is playing quite well. Yes. And TFC has been uh, up and down. They're going to get Michael Bradley back. I don't know if Altidore is on a red card or not. I don't know I don't if you can know look if he's that not up. Or not. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Set an intern on it. Uh, but I tell you what, I'm going to take Colorado on this one. Okay. Uh, they, like I said, they've been playing very strong. Uh, I like the way they're actually looking. They're very confident right now. This is TFC's third or fourth game on the road yet. I think that's going to start wearing on them, especially with the international players that had games, a couple of games on their legs now this past week. So I'm sticking with Colorado for my okay. pick. Josie Altidore is available this week, okay. by the way. Uh, he did have a hamstring injury, but he's available off the bench more than likely. Will and, of course, he had, a, he had a nice heads-up goal for the U.S. last he night. He did. He did. So, sorry, say that one more time. Who are you taking? I'm taking Colorado. Uh, Colorado. Coloradador. Yes. Coloradador. <laughs> Coloradador Rapiditos. Yes. Um, gosh, I don't uh, I don't know. I don't know who I want in this game. Neither team is really impressing me right now. Um, I, I, part of me wants to take TFC, but I don't know if that's actually a smart move, but I'm going to do it anyway. Good. Uh, Sporting Kansas City RSL. I've got Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, I'm going with Sporting as well. Call us bandwagoners, but Dom Dwyer looks real good he right does. now. Real good. This game traditionally would be really good. FC Dallas and Columbus. I'm going with FC Dallas. They're 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 scoring machines right now. Mm-hmm. And Columbus is, I believe, sitting last. Yes, they they're sitting dead last, last in the east. In the east. So yes, I'm going to go with uh, FC Dallas on okay. this one. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on that one as well. I would like to be proven wrong within a reason, just because I'd like Columbus to get their act back together and make the East more enjoyable. But and maybe this is the week they do it. Maybe they finally rise to the occasion. But I 
really doubtful. Uh, Seattle and Montreal. Uh, Montreal first in the Eastern Conference. Seattle dead last in all of MLS. They have no points. No. None. None. Zero. The the only team. Uh, yes, the only no. team in the league with zero points. So do they finally win this week? <sighs> this is tough when you're playing against a team like, ah, no, I'm sticking with Montreal. I, there's so many weeks I try to get really... Uh, suave with my picks, but I'm, I'm going with the safe bet here, Montreal. Yeah, I'm so re- congratulations, Seattle Sounders, on your first win of the season. Probably, yeah, that's exactly. Vancouver, L.A. I, who, are you, I, who are you taking, Seattle? Or? Oh, I'm sorry, I've got Montreal. Montreal, okay, well. yep. Vancouver, L.A. Ooh, this is this is a tough pick too. This is in Vancouver. Yep. Uh, L.A. has been L.A. has been decent. I wouldn't say they've been lights out, whereas. Uh, Vancouver's been playing quite well. Uh, they're tied on points, but Vancouver has a uh, or LA has a game in hand. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with LA Galaxy because I think uh, I think they're going <laughs> to because I think they're going to win. I'm taking the LA Galaxy. There you go, folks. There is my very uh, insightful comment. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no. You know what? I can't do that. I haven't picked another draw yet. I'm taking a draw. Oh, there Vancouver you go. You've got to sport us at least draw. one or two. So you're going to take a draw after yes. all that back and forth. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Galaxy this week. Gio Del Santos is back in camp. Uh, hopefully he will be back. And Nigel Dejong will be back as well. Yeah, and then, of course, you got Ousted there to balance those guys coming in. That is true. So, But Vancouver's defense, as well as Vancouver was that last game with mm-hmm. goalkeeping, Austin had to be as good as he was because exactly. that was a pretty... So uh, there is an opportunity for that. Maybe he's still tired. You never know. Robbie sure. Keane will likely not play in this game as well. He suffered a knee injury while on international duty with Ireland, so he will not be more than likely available for this game, which could play into a thing, but Josh Zard is playing well. Could be a thing. San Jose, D.C. United. This is probably the easiest pick for me. San Jose. Yep, same for me. I already wrote it in before you even said it. Orlando <laughs> and Portland, the evening game on Sunday night. Orlando, once again, they get Kaká back they this week. They do get Kaká so back. That is, and it's in Orlando. And Portland is falling into the old routine they had last year in which they play really well, but they can't finish. Mm. So I am taking Orlando on this okay. one. Okay, Orlando, uh, that is who I have as well. Um, so it's it's hmm. it could be an interesting week. We could both be horribly wrong. We could both be horribly right, as we as we know. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, email us, twoupfrontsoccer at gmail.com. You can let us know on Facebook by writing on our Facebook page, Two Up Front, or on Twitter at Two Up Front Soccer at Baxter Colburn at Simon Provan. You made it sound Did you just let me say No. no oh, I heard a... Yeah. So I was like, yes, yeah. yes. What are you going to say? <laughs> no? Okay, well, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, Kyle Gregg of Whitecaps FC will be here with us to chat a little bit about... What it's like to be in the U.S. Well, he'll chat with you. He'll chat with me. I make mention of you. Don't worry. You make a you make a quick Uh-oh. appearance. Now I'm a little worried. It's here. good. It's all good. I promise. All right, we'll be right back with more on Two Up Front right after this.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colbert, no Simon Provan, just for this interview, as you've been hearing the rest of the episode. Simon's been here with us today, chatting with us about all kinds of great things. But uh, for this one specific interview, uh, Simon actually had to run off and take care of some other things. So I have the opportunity to speak with Whitecaps FC forward Kyle Gregg. He's got some ties to Wisconsin. He's now part of the USL side Whitecaps FC and he now joins us here on Two Up Front. Kyle, thank you so much for taking some time today, sir. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. You're very welcome. All right, Kyle, well, for those of us that are here in the great state of Wisconsin, uh, we realize that you have some Wisconsin ties and I'm curious to know what your uh, your background is to the great Cheesehead State. <laughs> I do, I do. I was actually uh, born in Stevens Point. But um, I moved at a very early age, so I, I don't remember living there at all. But my, um, my family, my grandparents, aunt, uh, my aunts and uncles live in La Crosse. So oh, okay, I, fantastic. I, I, head up, I, I head up north every, every uh, Christmas to uh, spend some time with family. So definitely still am connected, even though I, uh, I don't live there, obviously, now. But sure. I was when I was a baby. What a small world. Yeah, my wife's family is actually from La Crosse, so I, uh, I get to the, the Cooley region every once in a while. And actually, my grandparents went to UW-Stevens Point as well. So that's kind of kind of uh, funny how the small world it is. Definitely, yeah. And, and my parents uh, my parents met at, they went to University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Okay, sure. Wow, that's fantastic. So how did you get your start in the soccer game? Obviously, we know that you are at Whitecaps FC right now, which is the uh, USL side to the Vancouver Whitecaps. But uh, talk a little bit about your soccer journey that now led you to playing professional soccer in the USL. Yeah, so I I started off, I, I played college soccer at a small NAI school in Kansas. And uh, it's obviously, it's pretty tough at a small school to get noticed by, you know, big MLS clubs or any professional club, rather. And uh, so I kind of went to some, some, some trial opportunities around the country and was going to go to Sweden, actually. And then I ended up landing a contract in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is in the USL. And then from there, um, the next year after that, I joined a expansion side, Oklahoma City Energy, which is the USL. And I was there for two seasons. And I kind of went there because it was close to home because um, now I'm living in Kansas City. And so um, then after that, then I just, you know, took a leap of faith to kind of join uh, the Whitecaps, too, to kind of get myself closer to an MLS um, team, really, where day in and day out I'm being evaluated and Obviously, the goal um, for me is to uh, play in the MLS, so I thought uh, this would be a good opportunity to come here and really develop and uh, be in front of the first-team coaches. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, looking back at your stats, you have 22 goals and four assists in your three USL seasons. Uh, You helped Oklahoma last season get to the Western Conference Final, and then you also were the team leader in goals with nine uh, in 2014 for energy. So Oklahoma kind of seems to have that special place in your heart a little bit, too. And there's even rumors that they might get a pro team at some point. And do you think that might get a – would that – drag you back to that area not drag is the wrong word to use but that uh, might entice you <laughs> entice you back to that area if they were to get a pro team at some point um i mean to be honest i'm always up open to playing anywhere anywhere that there's an opportunity to play at a higher level um, i'm always willing and open to try that that's kind of why uh, i decided to come here to vancouver is you know to put myself really in the best spot and that's it, it's the hard part about being a professional is you know making you don't know what the right decision and how that decision is going to play out but you kind of just got to make the decision wherever you just you know kind of kind of go with it and just do your best yeah no that completely makes sense how much time do you get uh spending around the first team at all since you are part of the their second team i guess in terms of being with whitecaps how much time do you get to see like some of those other strikers on the team like blas perez and those other guys that they've got yeah well um our first preseason game um 
Blas Perez had just kind of got in. He he was just uh, you know finishing his contract and getting all that sorted. So he actually played with us um, in our first preseason game against University of British Columbia. So I mean, from from the start, pretty much I'm around those guys and kind of kind of see you know where I need to be or you know talk to them for advice and things like that. And then even um, some midfielders. So Christian Bolaños is sure. a Costa Rican international, and he's coming down and training with us last week because he was on. Uh, suspension from the league mm-hmm. so I mean we're, we're constantly uh, interacting and training and um, being able to really use those resources in the coaches and uh, you know the players to kind of hopefully you know make us better and get to where they're at. Do you like the fact that a lot more MLS teams are starting to get a, a partner club either with the USL or NASL teams I feel like that at least from an outsider's perspective of someone that covers the league I feel like the uh, the partnership has started to really benefit but on the player side of it do you think it, it does help the players grow a little bit more Yeah definitely I think being in Oklahoma City we were partnered with when I was playing there we were partnered with Sporting Kansas City and interest that relationship between Sporting and a uh, Oklahoma City was not as strong as if, uh, you know, an MLS team were to put their own USL team in. So, um, you know, it's in USL or, uh, you know, guys in the USL, USL really fighting for um, a spot on the first team. So I think it's a huge benefit. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Now, you guys have a opening season just a couple of days away. How is the team looking and what are you most excited about? And are, even, are there some teams coming up that you're like, hey, I can't wait to play that team in USL this year? Um, I mean, obviously, I'm very excited to play Oklahoma City because that's where yeah, I came absolutely. from. I think they're, I think they're our fourth team, fourth game of the season. We play them at home, um, so I'm excited to see you know, some of my good friends and and old teammates and really get to battle out against them. But I mean, I'm I'm just excited for the season and really just to start playing games that really you know your preseason games mean something because you're preparing for the season. But I, I'm really excited to start playing for um, for three points really. How big is the Cascadia rivalry on the in the USL clubs? I know here at MLS we hear about Seattle and Vancouver and Portland, the Cascadia Cup. They're duking it out all year long, but does that carry over to the USL sides as well? Yeah, it does because there, there are guys on the first team that are getting loaned down, and you know even even the guys that are playing for the you know Whitecaps residency. There's a huge um, Cascadia rivalry between those teams, and so it although it, it's new for me. I've, I've, I'm aware of it, and you know, if I if I see that how important that is for you know my teammates and, and the organization, then I'm going to fight to to get those you know special three points. Absolutely, yeah. For those of us that cover cover the game, we always hear about that and see that anytime there's a Cascadia game on the schedule, our eyes are hardly attuned to that game. And I, I'm curious to see you know now, especially the USL this season too, if that uh, carries over a little bit more. Uh, one other question I have for you, too, in terms of uh, expansion a little bit, too, with uh, MLS clubs. We hear about all these other MLS teams that continue to you know, come into the league at all. Do you feel like there's maybe one area of the country that needs to get a couple more teams in the area? Or just do you feel like the way the expansion has been going so far that it's you know the league is on the right track? I think it's on the right track. You know, you see Minnesota is going to be coming in soon. Yeah. And then there's been talks even of like some, some, um, I guess, some markets such as like St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You know, St. Louis is a very historic soccer city. And obviously I'm from Kansas City, so sporting's a big a big deal down there. So I think it'd be nice to get more, you know, Midwestern type teams. I understand that, you know, that in the Midwest, soccer is still growing a lot. But um, I, th- I think the league is doing well to kind of fulfill the the markets that are going to help the league 
uh, kind of grow. If you were MLS commissioner for a day, where would you put a team if you had the opportunity? So you could put it at any city, anywhere in the country, regardless of size. Where would you put one? It's a tough one. Um, I think I think I really do think Arizona is a is a oh, huge okay. huge market. Um, I'm throwing a little curveball, but um, my grandma and my aunt live down there. And sure. My grandma or, or my aunt is a is a kindergarten teacher, and there's a lot of obviously Hispanics and things like that. And I know. I know down there, it's just soccer is just a big passion for, you know, kids and a lot of, you know, the Hispanic culture. So Absolutely. I think that'd be a good place. And we hear that all the time, too, MLS teams and even USL and NASL teams doing preseason down uh, in Arizona as well. So you feel like, well, hey, if they continue to do preseason down there, who's to say they can't put a, a team in, you know, Phoenix or Tempe or some of those other places yeah. as well? Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Well, Kyle, a couple other questions here for you before we let you go. Uh, talking with Kyle Gregg of the Whitecaps FC, the USL side of Vancouver. Uh, talk us a little bit about you as a player specifically. You're coming at 6'2", 185 pounds. Every forward's got their different style that they play the game. Um, I played forward as well throughout my high school and college days as well. I was a little bit leaner. Same size, a little bit leaner, though. So I was more of a speed guy, didn't have the technical side of things. But you've got a little bit more size on you than I did. I mean, I'm, I'm about 6'1", 170. But what, uh, what, what attributes do you use when playing your game or different tips and things that you've used and that help you score all the goals that you've been able to do so far? I think I think uh, I'm kind of a blue collar, hard working type of forward. I don't I don't do anything too fancy. I'll I'll use moves as practical, but uh, otherwise I'm a pretty standard, you know, center forward, number nine forward that uh, tries holding the ball up to the team and then getting myself in dangerous positions as well to uh, get on the end of crosses, um, set pieces, and through balls and stuff. So um, I think a little bit more blue collar, like I said, hard working that I kind of just to grind out and get myself in the right positions and so I'm, I'm always learning as well so i am i am learning you know the more uh tricky runs and, and things like that off the back shoulder of facts but um i think my foundation kind of comes from just you know hard work and really using my athleticism and strength to to score goals what okay. would uh one of the other things i'm always curious to ask about forwards too especially and at least for me i've got some is there a goal or two that you've scored any time throughout your career that really stands out to you as saying Wow, that was a pretty darn nice goal, honestly. Because I mean, we all, you know, we hear, we try not to be too boastful, of course, as I'm sure you know. But it's like, hey, even as a player, sometimes when you score goals, you're like, you know, that was a pretty darn nice goal. Is, is any moments like that stand out in your head at all, or you're like, oh, that went in? Like, wow, okay, that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, the one that really sticks out to me is the the first goal I actually scored as a professional it was my first game, first start. Um, wow, I was okay. In Wilmington, and my my teammate and actually roommate played a ball, just a square ball across the top of the 18. And I, which it's hard for a forward to kind of hit mm -hmm. a ball that's coming square to you. And I hit it first time and it kind of like curled into the top right corner. And so that one sticks out for me probably more because it, it was my first professional goal. Yes. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I, again, I don't, I haven't really scored too many, you know, highlight, big highlight reel type. Mm -hmm you know, sport, sports center top 10 goals, but, <laughs> uh, which doesn't matter to me because a goal is a goal, whether it's exactly. you know, being in yep. the right place at the right time or, you know, scoring a bicycle kick. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. You hear about that sometimes, too, and it's from different players that we've had a chance to talk with here on 2 Upfront at times. We hear about that. Some players are like, yeah, I mean, you know, 
I'm just thankful that I'm scoring a goal. I mean, you know, as long as it, like you said, as long as it goes in, that's all that really matters. And every once in a while, you do get those opportunities where it's like, yeah, it was a you know a crazy ricochet, or I just you know decided to take a shot from 40 yards out, and it just happened to go in. You know, it's like that's just part of the game, and that's the beauty of soccer. Well, well, fantastic. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, I, I appreciate you taking time today. Uh, I apologize for the crazy technical difficulties that we've had, but. Uh, appreciate you you sticking it out with us and uh, best of luck to you on your season and hopefully we can have you back on in the in the future as well yeah definitely thanks for having me it was a lot of fun uh, i'll talk to you soon hopefully sounds great kyle thank you so much kyle Gregg of uh, whitecaps fc here on two up front we appreciate him taking some time today we're going to run to a break when we come back we've got more exciting action for you here on two up front presented by sports radio america don't go anywhere Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All righty. We just had a fantastic chance to speak with Kyle Gregg. Very nice guy. It was a lot of fun to talk to. Very open. And he, he bared with me through the technical difficulties. We It took us about an hour, almost an hour and a half to record that 12 minutes just because his phone was working. My phone wasn't working. The internet was not working. It was working. I had to drive to a different location. It was <laughs> We were all over the place. And we, we finally made it work. Well, Baxter, I appreciate your sacrifice. And it, it was a fantastic interview and i gotta compliment you partner on on your interviewing skills i really do well thank you uh, well, but i appreciate I, it i really enjoyed listening to him talk about uh where the next possible mls team mm-hmm. would go if if he had a choice basically saying that uh you know there's a lot of soccer followers out there in arizona mm-hmm. i just don't know if the heat makes it worthwhile out I don't there know. But, and that's uh, the thing i asked him too i said well what about obviously the heat because you hear about texas you hear about california right. but at the same time i'm like everybody almost in mls plays preseason in Arizona. That's true. That's a so great point. So I was point. like, That's a great point. I, I'm a little surprised weather isn't one because they've got a, they've got a USL team, I think. Arizona United, I believe. Yeah, they, right. they've got yep. at least, they've got at least like one or two tiered Team, sure. I just don't remember, sure. but they don't have a pro team. But two really nice interviews. Of course, we had Ellie Brush on earlier mm-hmm. in our women's soccer spotlight, Absolutely. which we really enjoy. You know, that's a, a commitment that we made with our relaunches to is to have a, have a focus on women's soccer. And the bigger the NWSL gets, and the more prominent players come over, why shouldn't we? So uh, it's great to have a player like Ellie Brush 
Australian international. Uh, she was funny. <laughs> she was funny. <laughs> she, she was, was real. Great, great personality. She was very real. Um, you know, very insightful too on the difference between the Australian league and the American league. Mm-hmm. Again, the NWSL. So it's really, uh, really enjoyable. Then, and it's just so great that we're able to attract these people now to the show. Um, spend this time with them, exactly. and, and pl- even players like Kyle Gregg, who he may not grown up in was growing up in Wisconsin, but we certainly appreciate him having those uh, Wisconsin roots. My sister in law is actually from Stevens Point. Oh, so. really? Okay, and that's so, what I was yeah. telling him too. I was like, "Yeah, my grandparents went to UW Stevens Point. His family's in Lacrosse. I'm like, my wife's family's from Lacrosse. I was like, have we ever run into each other? He's like, I don't think so. I was like, <laughs> such a small world, though. You never, you never know. Yeah. So, so uh, again, appreciate your work on the Thank interview, you. and thanks to it. Ellie and Kyle for coming on to up front. Yes, yes indeed. We've got some more exciting interviews in the next couple of weeks as well. We won't reveal anything yet because we're still in the, the scheduling process, but we've got some more exciting interviews for you uh, throughout the NWSL and some MLS and uh, a gentleman and that was also down uh, at the Olympic qualifiers. Absolutely. And of well. course we will have a local guest on very soon if not yeah. by next week. Exactly. And Chris Blakely if you're listening and Matt Evans, well I guess we'll, we'll make time for you guys <laughs> as well. Now we want to get you guys back on the show as well. It's the, the whole schedule coordination thing. That's the hard part yeah. about it. Yeah. So, all right, but we appreciate you guys tuning in today on Two Up Front. Uh, remember, you can listen to the show on Fridays on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on SportsRadioAmerica.com and on TuneIn and then on demand anytime on Spreaker.com, on iHeartRadio, on iTunes. You can go and download the podcast, on download the apps. There's multiple ways to find us. Tell your friends about us as well. For everyone that's been liking our Facebook page like crazy the last couple of days, thank you so much. You guys have been awesome. And uh, please continue to, to spread the good word about Two Up Front as well. All right, Simon, it is time for a fantastic part of the show. Now, I forget where I was the other day, but I think it might have been I was listening to or something, but I, I think with all the GOP and political nominations going on right now for the presidency, I think somebody was, I think that was actually a chant at one of them. They're like, I believe that we will win. I was like, this is not even, no, <laughs> it's not even the same thing. Stop. I don't remember who Just it was. Stop. It might have been Cruz, might, I forget who it was, or Bernie or somebody, but. Yeah, it doesn't they, matter which side of the aisle we're talking either about. Way, Keep that somebody was specifically yeah, to soccer. Those are like the chance, like I believe that we will win. It's like at the same time, it goes to show how much soccer is getting ingrained in the American true. culture. That is true. Yeah, I was like, okay, I guess the one guy showed up with a scarf or something like <laughs> USA. <laughs> like, uh, sure, sure, we'll go with that. Well, Simon, what is your I believe for well, this week? Here is my I believe. Hercule Gomez played uh, for quite a few years in Mexico. Before sure. that, of course, he was in MLS. Yep, played for LA player. Galaxy. He also played in the USL. He's he's a man who, uh, he's the little engine that could. Well, he was dropped by TFC earlier this month, but picked up by the Sounders. Mm. And I do believe that we will see Hercules, Go- Hercules Gomez, the double Z man, make an appearance for the Seattle Sounders this weekend. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, let's see. For me, for I, I believe that uh, Seattle will lose more games this year than they will win. Chris Blakely, I, I'm sorry to say this, but I like that, Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope you'd like that. Yeah, it's. I don't know why we're both going in the, the Seattle route, but that just I felt. Well, I felt it's led. easy when the team has played three games, haven't gotten a single point. Mm-hmm. They're the worst in MLS right mm-hmm. now. The only uh, pointless team in MLS right now. So it's easy to go down that path. I mean, they are pointless. Literally. No, I don't know. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. A lot of great things coming up. Uh, we will be on at a different time next week. 
Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to Texas. I'll be down in Sports Radio for Sports Radio America doing some broadcasting for the ABA championships. If you like basketball, you can listen to them on Sports Radio America. Uh, so we got to figure out exactly what day and time and all that we're going to be on. And we'll just stay tuned to our, our website and our social media platforms. I, my brain stopped for a second. Goodness. Uh, but social media, where are we, Simon? We are on Facebook, 2UpFront. Just search 2UpFront, and we should pop right up. We're also on Twitter, at 2UpFrontSoccer. Make sure you have the soccer on there when you're looking for us on Twitter. Yes. At Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. And, yes, of course, indeed. our website, 2UpFrontSoccer.Wix.com. That is W-I-X.com slash 2UpFrontSoccer. Yes, indeed. And you can email the show anytime at 2UpFrontSoccer at gmail.com. And catch the show on Fridays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on SportsRadioAmerica.com and on the TuneIn app. And on demand anytime, no matter where you are, in the car, in the shower, going for a walk with the dog, on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn with our manager being the one above. We are Two Up Front. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com fedcontracts. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.